I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Hello and welcome back to all of our listeners from around the world and across the United States. We're happy to have you back with us for another incredible story. If you're listening for the first time, welcome to our show. I'm sure that by the end of this episode, you'll think to yourself, my gosh, this is so good. I just have to hear more. Well, we got something special for you. If you hit that like and subscribe button, you will be treated every Friday to new episodes. And if you want to get caught up on old episodes that you have not heard yet, well, we got a whole catalog of them. You can check it out in Spotify, YouTube, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And you can just go back and go through the whole list of things that we already have. Oh, I got so excited I hit the microphone. <laughs> uh, so that's that's how pumped up I am about this. Uh, but today, uh, we are going to be doing an Alvin Schwartz story because it's that time of the year where, why not, let's tell some spooky stories. And this one is not so much about the paranormal, but more about something that could happen. Highly unusual. And I'd like to say that uh, it was about a year ago or so that we uh, first introduced our audiences to Alvin Schwartz. Mm -hmm. I had, frankly, I had never heard of him. Yeah. And, and so I, I wasn't sure whether Alvin Schwartz was really going to be a big splash or just, uh, you know, uh, get the uh, usual number of listeners. But the way it turned out, Alvin Schwartz has turned into one of our favorites whenever we do an Alvin Schwartz story. Yeah, uh, well, but like I said before, a lot of people grew up with the uh, scary stories to tell in the dark books, and it was a popular trilogy of books that were all short stories, and Alvin Schwartz went around collecting these stories from different sources. Some of them were real stories that took place, and you know they were in newspapers or magazines. Some of them are folk tales or you know whatever, and or urban legends. And so he put all of these collections together and then used Stephen Gamel's artwork uh, to illustrate his book. And it was uh, a success. I mean, it caused some controversy because of the artwork, but I, I don't know, besides the story, I think the artwork's probably one of the best parts of the book. Um, but I remember the way I got introduced to Alvin Schwartz was because of you. And we had this conversation the other day because uh, you had asked me how I found out about Alvin Schwartz and I said, because you got me the book. And <laughs> which I didn't remember. Couldn't remember. Uh, but I, I remember it very specifically. It was Halloween. We were living in Las Vegas and we went to the Page One bookstore because they had a Halloween event. And you let me and Amber, my sister, Amber, pick out one thing from the store that evening. And I saw, and of course, I was in the third grade. I wasn't really focused on, you know, literary works or masterpieces. But I remember that there was a coffin, a cardboard coffin that was sitting on the shelf. And inside of the cardboard coffin was the scary stories to tell in the dark book. And the moment I saw the cover, which was this uh, rotting corpse head coming up out of the ground and it had a corn cob pipe coming out of its mouth and this wicked grin, um, I knew that I wanted to read that book. Uh, and it also came with an audio cassette and a vial of fake blood. Wow, what a set. Huh? What a set. And I thought, oh, that's great. <clears throat> and I remember that night I went home after the Halloween event, and I had a tape player next to my bed. Uh, and I put the tape in, 
and I started listening to it and I got through the big toe and I thought, this is too scary for me right now. <laughs> I should not be listening to this. Yeah, especially in the dark. In alone. the dark, alone. Uh, and so I, I kind of scared myself a little bit too much. Um, I did, however, finish listening to the tape and thought to myself, wow, that was great. And uh, it was a famous actor that they got to do the the audio book, and I can't think of his name right now, but but it was so well done. And I always enjoyed it, and I always enjoyed looking at the pictures because I found them fascinating. I wasn't scared by them. I was intrigued by them. Um, but then that kind of started a life lifelong appreciation, I think, of, of storytelling, not just because you would tell us stories, but uh, because I found those stories to be interesting. And when I found out how he came up with them and and where his sources were, I thought, wow, you know, it's that's such an interesting job to have, being a storyteller. Yeah, and Alvin Schwartz was a, a fantastic storyteller. <clears throat> like you say, uh, many of his stories were inspired, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, by uh, true events or other stories or whatever. He he looked uh, yeah. all over for mm -hmm. his sources, and then yeah. he turned them into his own uh, creations. Right. And so uh, that uh, premier book there, Scary Stories... Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. To Tell in the Dark is one we continue to recommend uh, if you haven't heard right. of Alvin Schwartz and uh, you like uh, what you hear this evening, mm -hmm. that's a great place for you to start sure. once you've uh, finished listening to our podcast. Yeah. And if you, go to, <clears throat> if you go to Amazon, I have mm -hmm. Kindle uh, on my phone. And so I, I purchased, I think it was for 17 bucks uh, for my Kindle all three books, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, More Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and Scary Stories to Chill You to Your Bone. Yeah, and, and he's got a lot more books besides that, too. He does. He also has one that's uh, limericks and mm -hmm, stories mm -hmm. and poems and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. He has a whole range of stuff. So it's if you go on, you can easily find it. And they're not that expensive. And I mm -hmm. like having it because, I mean, quite frankly, sometimes carrying a book around with you is a little bit cumbersome. So having it on my phone, if I want to read a story or you know, whatever, I, I have it available to me. Yeah, and uh, you could easily become an Alvin Schwartzaholic. So yeah. um, tonight we're going to hear a fantastic story. And let's go ahead, maybe before you actually tell the story, Gary, of um, alerting our listeners uh, to its origins. We've mentioned that Alvin used a variety of sources. And this story tonight that you'll be telling uh, dates all the way back to 1889. A similar uh, true life story was reported out in the Detroit Free Press in Michigan in 1889. Then it surfaced again all the way across the ocean in London, England. Right. The London Daily Mail in 1911 published a similar story. Yep. And then it started to grow. It started to grow. And by 1950, Hollywood had discovered it, and they uh, did a movie. What was the name of that movie in 1950? Oh, let me pull it up real quick. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's not one of the titles you'd, uh, you'd recognize, not one of the bigger hits, but nevertheless, it was uh, probably it was uh, a B movie, you know, the second movie that they would show in the movie theaters yeah, after it, or before an A movie. It says uh, the title of the movie was So Long at the Fair. So Long at the Fair. 1950. 1950. So that's the earliest movie version we're aware of. And uh, so then uh, somewhere along the line, um, Alvin Schwartz uh, came across it and um, he uh, did his own version. So 
with that, are we ready to have you tell a scary story best told in the dark? Oh, I think I'm ready. Now, let me warn you, folks, if you are listening to this and you're traveling overseas or you're staying in a hotel room or you're visiting people that uh, you've never met before, this definitely might send shivers down your spine because it's not a, like I said, paranormal story. This is a story that, well. It's weird. I don't know if it's weird. It's just the question, I guess, is could it happen? Could it actually happen? All right, it's called Maybe You Will Remember. Mrs. Gibbs and her 16-year-old daughter, Rosemary, arrived in Paris on a hot Monday in July. They had been on vacation and now were returning home. But Mrs. Gibbs did not feel well, so they decided to rest in Paris for a few days before going on. The city was crowded with tourists. Still, they found a place to stay at a good hotel. They had a lovely room overlooking a park. It had yellow walls, a blue carpet, and white furniture. As soon as they unpacked, Mrs. Gibbs went to bed. She looked so pale that Rosemary asked to have the hotel doctor examine her. Rosemary didn't speak French, but fortunately the doctor did speak English. He took one look at Mrs. Gibbs and said, Your mother is too sick to travel. Tomorrow I will move her to a hospital, but she needs a medicine. If you go to my house to get it, it will save time. The doctor said he did not have a phone right now. Instead, he would give Rosemary a note for his wife. The hotel manager put Rosemary into a taxi and in French told the driver how to find the doctor's house. It will take only a little while, he told her, and the taxi will bring you right back. But as the driver slowly drove up one street and down another, it seemed to take forever. At one point, Rosemary was sure they had gone down the same street twice. It took almost as long for the doctor's wife to answer the door, then get the medicine ready. Rosemary sat on a bench in the exam room, waiting. She kept thinking, why can't you hurry? Please, hurry. Then she heard a telephone ring somewhere in the house. But the doctor told her he did not have a phone right now. What was going on? They drove back slowly as they had come, curling up one side and down the other. Rosemary sat in the back, filled with dread. Her mother's medicine clenched in her hand. Why was everything taking so long? She was sure the taxi driver was going the wrong direction. Are you going to the right hotel, she asked. He didn't answer. She asked again, but still no reply. When he stopped at a traffic light, she threw open the door and ran from the cab. She stopped a woman on the street. The woman didn't speak English, but she knew someone who did. Rosemary was right. They had been driving the wrong direction. When she finally got back to the hotel, it was early evening. She went up to the desk clerk who had given her the room. I'm Rosemary Gibbs, she said. 
My mother and I are in room 505. May I please have the key? The clerk looked at her closely. You must be mistaken, he said. There is another guest in that room. Are you sure you're in the right hotel? He turned to help someone else. She waited until he finished. You gave us the room yourself when we arrived this morning, she said. How could you forget? He stared at her as if she had lost her mind. You must be mistaken, he said. I have never seen you before. Are you sure you're in the right hotel? She asked to see the registration card they had filled out when they arrived. It's June and Rosemary Gibbs, she said. The clerk looked in the files. We have no card for you, he said. You must be in the wrong hotel. The hotel doctor will know me, Rosemary replied. He examined my mother when we arrived. He sent me to get the medicine she needed. I want to see him. The doctor came downstairs. Here's the medicine from my mother, Rosemary said, holding it out to him. Your wife gave it to me. I've never seen you before, he said. You must be at the wrong hotel. She asked for the hotel manager who had put her in the taxi cab. She asked for the hotel manager who had put her in the taxi cab. Surely he would remember her. You must be in the wrong hotel, he said. Let me give you a room so you can rest. Then maybe you will remember where you and your mother are staying. You must be in the wrong hotel, he said. Let me give you a room where you can rest. Then maybe you will remember where you and your mother are staying. I want to see our room, Rosemary said, raising her voice. It's room 505. But it was nothing like the room that she remembered. It had a double bed, not a twin bed. The furniture was black, not white, and the carpet was green, not blue. There was something else. Somebody else's clothes were in the closet. The room she knew had vanished. This is not the room, she said. Where is my mother? What have you done with her? You are in the wrong hotel, the manager said patronizingly, as if he were speaking to a young child. Rosemary asked to see the police. My mother, our things, our room, they've all disappeared, she told them. Are you sure you're at the right hotel? They asked. She went to her embassy for help. Are you sure you're at the right hotel? They asked. Rosemary thought she was losing her mind. They didn't. Why don't you rest here for a while? They said. Then maybe you'll remember. But Rosemary's problem was not her memory. It was what she didn't know. So, in the notes section of the book, what Rosemary doesn't realize is that her mother was infected with a type of plague. Bubonic plague. Mm -hmm. A highly contagious virus. And if anybody had found out that her mother was infected with the plague, there would have been panic, especially at this nice hotel. It would have been, uh, it would have ruined the business. It would have, it would have, it would have been devastating. Created panic throughout the city. Yes. So, so there was a massive cover-up. Massive cover-up. So what they had decided to do is to give themselves enough time 
to get rid of the mother's body because shortly after Rosemary left the hotel, her mother died. So while she was going up and down the streets and they were just kind of taking her for a ride, they removed her mother's body and they secretly buried it in some cemetery somewhere in the city. And then they removed the carpets, they repainted the walls, they changed out the furniture, they got rid of all of the stuff that was in there that could have been infected by the virus. Did a complete remake to cover up everything that had happened, unbeknownst to Rosemary. Now, it doesn't say if Rosemary found out later, which I'm assuming she probably did, especially since Mm -hmm. it speaks about in the notes. Now, I'm sure that that's not the real person's name, um, but it's interesting because... If this had occurred in 1885 or 89 or 89, wherever, whenever it was, it, it seems possible that something like that could have happened. Oh, easily, easily because of the panic that would be spread right. by this horrific, um, you know, plague, bubonic plague. Oh my gosh, that mm-hmm. that's enough to strike fear in the hearts of uh, anyone. And so they'd go to any extreme to take care of it. Now, between 1889 and, uh, uh, you know, this uh, century uh, when Alvin Schwartz wrote his story, uh, it's gone through an awful lot of uh, revision to where you probably can't separate the fact from the fiction. But this type of story, Gary, Mm -hmm. still holds a lot of fascination for people because recently, within the last couple years, a movie came out called Unknown, starring Liam Neeson. Uh Unknown by Liam Neeson, and he and his wife are in Berlin, Germany. He's involved in a car accident. He, uh, she's not. Uh, his ta- the taxi he's riding in is in a horrific accident, and he goes unconscious. When he comes to, everything has changed, and he goes back to the hotel. Nobody recognizes him. No, are you sure you're at the right hotel? Blah 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 blah, and it greatly resembles this plot line. So if you want to see a modern version of the Gibbs story. Unknown, yeah, starring Liam Neeson. Yeah, great movie, great yeah. movie. I've watched it two or three times. There's there's a few stories like that. Now there is one that's um, it's similar in one way. You see, back in those early early days, there's a lot of things that could happen that people could get away with. Because I mean, this was mm-hmm. pre news, this was pre social media, all that kind of stuff. Um, but there was a story um, about a killer named H. H. Holmes who lived, I think it was in Chicago. It was somewhere in the United States. Mm -hmm. And he had a hotel. And he would often um, kill his victims in the hotel. And they would disappear. And he had one floor that was specifically meant for that. And he would select people because some people would stay there and they would leave the hotel and never know anything was going on there. And some people would come in but never return. And this went on for some time before he got caught. Um, But nobody knew about it. And it had gone on long enough that there were a good number of people that had disappeared at his hotel. Um, So, you know, and that was back, I think that was either the 1800s or the early 1900s. But again, 
things like this back in those days could happen without hardly anybody being aware right. of what was really right. going on. Just didn't have the media that we have today. Oh, no. no. Yeah. So another great story from Alvin Schwartz, who at time and again proves to be a favorite with our listeners around the world. Absolutely, absolutely. So if you enjoy these kind of stories, if you want to hear more, you know where to find us. Every Friday, we got new episodes. We hope that you join us again for another incredible story. Until then, I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And that was a great Alvin Schwartz story. <laughs>